cleared for takeoff and Sliz, I'm sorry. I just don't have it in me tonight, man. I just like, you know, I usually do the party host and the, you know, and the, my handsome and astute and educational coworkers say, hi, Sliz. All right. You can do that. Say hi. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. We might need a rain delay or uh, cancel the flight or, or something this week. Right. It's uh, let me tell you, man, uh, not I, a good I, one. Uh, no, I, I am. Um, you know, it's it's somewhat fitting. We are recording on a Sunday night for the first time. Some of it is uh, because we want to be hyper reactionary here, but most of it is just because we uh, have a little bit of a schedule mix up this week. So uh, there's more of that. But uh, it's only fitting, Sliz, that behind me is the you hear lots of sounds of thunder and, and rain and pouring. And it's very much doom and gloom after the Jets drop this game to the Bengals today. And let's start there, as we always do with the runway rundown. The first point that I have here written down, Sliz, it's it's simple, it's prudent, I think it's painfully obvious. Welcome back to reality. And that's that. Yeah. You you would think by now as Jets fans, we wouldn't hop on this pendulum and just swing extreme to extreme. But it's like, <laughs> man, it's like reading Twitter the past week, it's like you you thought after that Cleveland win, which and and you and I opened up the podcast last week. We opened up the runway rundown segment, focusing on the negatives for right. a reason, right? And trying not to put the cart before the horse, and pointing out, hey, we won, but and but and right. but and right. but, and we saw right. a lot of that this week, right? Against a yeah. a, a much more complete kind of a, a team. Bengals team that people were probably too low on and and you know I'm gonna I'll 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 victory lap a little bit here we I feel like we touched on a lot of stuff last week to temper expectations around hey the Bengals O-line probably isn't as bad as it seems like they are whereas all week all you saw all this Bengals O-line's trash and yeah they're not they didn't they haven't been playing well but I, I don't know we we certainly didn't get home very much today yeah, I mean, I think for me, Sliz, it's, it's that's the thing. It's like, yes, maybe their offensive line wasn't as bad as as it had appeared in the first two weeks, but this was, and I mentioned it on on Jet Fuel last week, Sliz. This is the type of game that if you're Robert Sala, if you're you know Joe Douglas to it to another extent, if you're you know whoever, if you're the veterans on this team trying to prove a point, this is the type of game that you go out there and win. And I understand the rosters are different and the Bengals ultimately have a better roster than the Jets do. They have the better quarterback, obviously, than the Jets do, especially today. But it's it's just one of those games like good teams get good because they beat teams that they're not expected to beat, right? And that was the story with the Bengals last year, right? I mean, look at look at they made it all the way. So like listen, it's apples and oranges comparison, but this is one of those games to me, like I hate SOJ and and I hate saying SOJ. Like I never, ever say it. Like it's brutal to me. I It's just pain. It's pain. And I hear the my father's voice when I say it. So it's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to say it. Um, it just, that's what today felt like to me. It, it, yes. It's just a, a fair amount of it felt like SOJ to me. Especially on on defense, right? Where it's right. like, okay, whiff tackle on a a bad play call, defensive play call, and they go they go yard, get a touch a, a long yeah, touchdown, I mean, right? You get a blown coverage, and they get a, an easy touchdown on one where we actually got home with pressure for once. It's right. like you, you just like stack up all these things, and and there were, I feel like there's actually a decent number of things watching it back that went right for us in terms mm-hmm. of like the fumble, the, the chase fumble that we recovered and, and things right. of that nature. But yeah, when you see stuff like that and, and you hear the Benny Hill music playing in the background as you're <laughs> stringing together the low light, you know, low light clips, it's like, man, yeah, it, it, it does gut you a little bit as a fan. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. So it's like, you know, like I said, I, I was hyperbolically uh, dooming before because I just wanted to get it out of my system. And I think I'm pretty well regulated now, to be honest. So you know, we're right back on to we can probably beat Pittsburgh next week. I mean, we'll see. But l- let's start here. Flacco was Joe Flacco, right? This is why he's a backup at this point in his career. It had some issues with the offensive game plan overall, but Flacco was who he was, and the offensive line wasn't great either. Yeah, and, and both those we, we touched on, right? And, 
you know, you had people calling, oh, Flacco wins this game, you know, give him the keys to the franchise for the year and this and that. It's like, we've known what Flacco is all season. He started off week one very not good. He was not good in week one. And really week two, he he was okay week two, but it was kind of really down the stretch where he put it together. And I don't know, just in general, it's like this this is what he is. It, it's bad QB play. It's it's a guy who against a team where they were heating up a lot of pressure, our O-line wasn't really holding together. And that lack of mobility and lack of being able to do kind of anything off script, anything just moving within the pocket really, really hurts you. And then on top right. of that, just some bad reads, some bad throws, just kind of the the whole disaster class of, of veteran QB play. That that first interception, man. I mean, that was very much like a dude, what the F are you looking at, man? Like, what are you seeing? Um and and I think Flacco's a guy that you you see he trusts his arm a little his arm a little bit too much. And I feel like that was a throw that he he saw and he's like, okay, I can fit it in here in between triple coverage. And it just, no, that's the, like, he, he still tries to force his limitations a little bit. Yeah. And, and what scares me knowing, knowing that Zach's probably coming back next week, hopefully is hopefully. like Flacco, Flacco looked scared. Right. And mm-hmm. like the, the vet QB back there is the one that's supposed to be able to ID pressure shift protections yeah, he if he knows pressure's coming, he's taking a three step and getting it off right away. And and Flacco was good about that. I felt like the past two years where it it, it almost seemed like he wasn't caring, but it was like, hey, if he knew there was pressure and we didn't have a, a winning play call and he didn't have a good audible, he would just take the three step, throw it out of bounds, and live for another down, right? And and you didn't really see that this week, or or really even this season at all, where he's he's really struggled when that pressure has come and and it certainly rattled him and he hasn't looked like a veteran. No. And, and that's the thing says for me, it's like, yes, you can put a fair amount of what went wrong with Flacco today on, or what, what, wrong, what, what went wrong with the jets, man, what, what's going wrong with me? Uh, what went wrong with the jets today on Flacco? But there was like, when you, when I look at the list of things, like he was probably like fourth on the list. Like I, I don't, for me, it starts with the offensive line, and George Fant got that ass beat today, bro. Like, yeah. beat like like a drum, like a tribal drum in coverage. It was bad. Yeah, very bad. He he, he was awful, and and it's tough, right? And I'm not going to go on a, an entire. We already did the O O O line rant <laughs> right. after what week two, week one. Uh, I'm not going to go down that whole thing, but I, I mean, it's everything we said there is holding true and, and it's George fan and it's like in Tomlinson, the whole left side. And that's an expensive left side, right? We're paying like 25 mil between those two guys on the left side and they have been bad, downright bad. And we keep running left because that's where you can pull AVT and, and get them in, in those run fits and climb to the second level. And, and man, there's so many plays where it, you you you're watching it back. You look at the still shot. It's like man, if if the first guy blocked his guy, we have second third level blockers all the way up the field, right? And it's like this is, and that's got to be. It's frustrating for me as a fan. It's got to be frustrating as a coach where it's like we drew right. this up well, and it's like player X or player Y did not execute at all, like way overset, just got beat like to the one spot where you can't get beat and all that. And and the problem with, with our tackle spot right now, especially is both tackles are bad. And and mm-hmm. Max Mitchell's been flying under the radar a little bit, I think, because Fant has been so bad, but we've also been masking him a lot. Right. And, and there, there's a comment in discord kind of like joking, like, Oh, Con- Tyler Conklin doesn't show up until fourth quarter garbage time. And it's like, well, why, why is that? Right. And, and if you watch, he he's not even really out on routes or anything. He's not getting targets. And it, it's not because he's running a lot of a routes and he's not getting open. It's because he is a blocker like 90% of the game until we have to play catch up and spread it out. Um, a lot of that time is being spent kind of shielding Matt's, Max Mitchell, which – puts him on and puts Fant then on an island because we you can't you can't can't shield both of them. And yeah, Fant's definitely regressed. I think we have a big enough sample. Regression's here. He got hurt, which then leaves us with uh old, old reliable Connor McDer- oh, McDermott. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. So it, it really is because like when you look at Fant last year and I'm very much and I mentioned this on the podcast before. 
I'm very much, can you show it to me two years in a row? Like one year doesn't do it for me. And for however decent Fant was last year, he was an above average pass blocker. He's still not good in run blocking, but I, I said, you know what? Fant's got to show it to us again. And so far, you know, whether it's the knee injury, still recovering from it, the, the knee scope, whatever he had done over this off season, he's been limited in practice pretty much every week since, since preseason, right? Like the, he hasn't, it's not even like a so much a veteran's rest day is like they're trying to give him as much time on that knee as possible. And then today he was benched because of the quote unquote knee injury. I think that was solid kind of protecting his guy saying, Oh, well he's, but again, he was getting beat. Trey Hendrickson was getting around him all day, all day. And I think Hendrickson had Hendrickson had two sacks today, but he was getting around him. It wasn't pretty. It really wasn't pretty. And the other part of that equation, you have it here is it's not just fan. It's the left side and Lake and Tomlinson, they paid him a lot of money to be the rock of this offensive line. I think that's fair to say because he's a guy that's been in the system. He's a guy that's he, he plays guard, so he's going to solidify you up the middle. I mean, hopefully. And whoever's playing left tackle, he's going to give him a hand on that side. But he hasn't been it so far this year. Yeah, yeah. He's he's looking like uh, an overreaction Sunday. So he he's looking like one of the worst contracts that Joe Douglas and one of the worst moves he's he's made to date. And and I, I I've already piled on on just high level why investing that much on the interior wasn't a good idea. But it's it's one thing to invest that much. It's another thing when you invest that much and you're getting way, way less return on that investment than you expected, right? And and it it's tough because and this is the best interior. Uh, defensive line that we've played against with, with DJ Reader specifically being being by far the best player we've played on the interior. And, man, they, they kind of just rocked those guys up front, especially in the run game where we were – this is by far our least efficient run game um, to date. And it, 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 it impacts the entire offense when we can't run the ball, especially in – gonna harp on Flacco a little bit. He he is such a he's had such a tendency to just throw up the middle the past couple weeks. And, and that's really shown not only on tape, but when you're looking at like the PFF breakdowns and where he's throwing the ball, it's all up the middle. And and him not being able to spread the ball out, him having to deal with some pressure in his face, us not being able to run the ball, it's just a terrible, terrible combo. And that's where he starts getting those happy feet. That's where he's throwing – he threw off his back foot so much today. Yeah. Um, even even at times where he really didn't have pressure in his face. And, and yeah, you can attribute a lot of that to the offensive line and, and kind of inability. They're getting beat in both phases, which, which is rough. And yeah. there, there's no help at tackle. I can tell you that there's no help coming at tackle. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you even do? Sliz? I mean, what is, what is there that you can do? Like so McDermott's McDermott came in the game for fan after fan was benched for whatever reason. I mean, whether it's a legitimate, if the knee is legitimately bulky, that's one thing, but he looked worse than fan did. And we knew what Connor McDermott was. I mean, he's, he's fourth tackle. Like he's not even, he's not even your swing guy. Like he's not good. Um, on the right side, Mitchell, I'm not as down on Mitchell as, as you are. I I, I I think he's okay. Like he's a, I keep thinking like, well, this was supposed to be his red shirt year. Yeah. And, and considering like when you hear that about a rookie player, especially if, you know, fourth round pick for me, it's like, well, then your expectations drastically change, right? Where he doesn't look like a turnstile out there, even with the help, which I'm okay with that at, at the end of the day. Like he hasn't, I don't look at Mitchell and say like, he's been a net negative. Like he's been the reason, you know, but yeah, um, I, I think a lot of the stuff with Mitchell, it, it's it's like growing pains. I think sometimes right. it's hey, he 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 shifted the wrong way or he blocked the wrong guy. Like it's correctable type stuff. It's not hey, he went one on one and just got ap- absolutely cooked rep after right. rep after rep, like we've seen from George Fant the past couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing for me. It's like watching Fant, it's like he he's like I said, he's been getting beat. He has been getting beat and it's bad. Um it, and, it, and now what what's the what's the more disappointing position group offensive line or this edge group the edge group bro i i with I, with, with bryce huff inactive again blow, yeah. blows my mind yeah this this edge for me it's 100% the edge group right um at least with the offensive line it's like 
it's not the way it was planned, right? It's not the way it was designed. Um, and, yeah. and we've we've talked about the process. We've talked about Douglas's process a lot, and we've ripped on it. And he, listen, a game like today is is totally on his head. Like, I don't want to make it not making excuses for this guy whatsoever. Um, but you know, even Beckton and Beckton, we, we say it a lot. Like Beckton and Hope wasn't a good plan, but it's not the plan. Like what we're seeing now is not the plan with Fan at left tackle and. You know, even even Dwayne Brown, like, you know, you signed Dwayne Brown and he's supposed to be your guy left tackle. But the edge group to me is it's killing me, bro. It's absolutely killing me because there was everything you heard, like you've heard, well, Lawson's getting back to the way he looked in preseason last year. And Jacob Martin could be a sneaky good signing who's been an I'm sorry, Jacob Martin's been an absolute nobody. He has been absolutely nobody on this defensive line, man. He's, he's just been nothing at all. He, and he probably the, leads the league in drive-bys. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he it's... just dude. runs past that. I don't know if you learned that from Jermaine or what, but, dude, I, I've not seen a guy, like, run past the quarterback when he should have a sack more more than this dude, man. It's it's unbelievable. Like, and that's why I said, Sliz, like... And I know this is, like, anti-analytics and stuff, but to that point, pressures are fine. Like, I don't I don't disagree with pressures, right? I think pressure, like it's totally fine to measure pressures, and and obviously your defensive line is, you know, whatever you you get your pressures on the quarterback and you flush them out the pocket. But when you see a guy like Burrow today, who's an absolute freak, like, and this isn't a new thing, like moving in the pocket, manipulating the pocket, spinning out of trouble in the pocket. We saw it all last year. It's not a new thing. That's why I say you have to get home and you have to finish plays. And Quinnen had a good game, moving the pocket and collapsing the pocket up the middle, but. This edge group is just non-existent. It's just not there, and and it's it's awful to it's legitimately awful to watch. It's awful to watch. Yeah, well, and and so last week we we sung some praises on our coaching staff. This week, especially on defense, was absolutely brutal, right? And I think it ties in. So our edge group's underperforming. And has underperformed. They, they they haven't said it out loud, but it's underperformed even through the first two weeks, right? It's like okay, yeah. week one, we're playing a little soft. Where it's Lamar, you want to contain him. Week two, man, like we we let Jacoby Brissett push us around, right? Dude, that's I said it last week. I didn't know that Tom Brady played for the Browns. Yeah, like, and and you're seeing that now. You're seeing that now in the scheme, right? Where a lot of those early blitzes and all that. I think that's a reaction to. Hey, this offensive line has played bad. We're not getting there with our normal edge pressure. We want to dial it up. It, it feels, and, and maybe that's me connecting dots that aren't there, but it feels like that we we had two teams prior to us. The Bengals were 0 2 coming into this game against two really not great teams. And we you got you got you got the plans. You you right. got it, the formula was solved. Rush with four playback in a, in a too high shell and force them to dink and dunk and drive down the entire field, which, which is hard. It, it's hard to do that. Right. I, I, I was at the, uh, the Colts chiefs game and watched both those teams force the other team to try to do that. And, and, and I said to a couple of the folks sitting around me, I was like, man, it is hard when you're watching Matt Ryan throw five yard passes and try to go down the entire field three, four, five yards at a time. It's hard to do that. It is very hard to do that because you have to execute on every single play. And if you don't, you're not digging out of that. You're, you're either punting or you're turning, you're turning the ball over or you're taking a sack and then the drive's dead, right? It is hard to do that. And, and we just didn't do that. You, you heard the answer during the week, like, oh, you know, oh man, we, we really don't have a lot of cover two in our playbook. We have some Tampa two, but we don't use it a ton. It's like, you got to figure it out, man. You're a professional coaching staff, right. Right? right? And and we don't really even have the players to play the scheme that we want to play in cover three. We don't have the linebackers that can cover space. We don't have a single high space safety that can cover end to end. Like we don't have the players to play the, the scheme that we want to. And, and we're just getting cooked all day. And like all, all of the, the Tyler Boyd catches, which, which was, that, that's kind of where you always look at with this Bengals team a lot of teams you focus on Chase and Higgins because they're absolute studs but it's like Tyler Boyd's their matchup piece if you don't have a a good a good nickel corner 
or a large save. Like he's got a size advantage on most nickel corners in, in the league. And he he can outrun every single linebacker. So it's like that's their matchup piece. And he absolutely cooked us. They kept doing mm-hmm. this the stacked um stacked formation where they, they'd stack him and chase. And it's like you you they would they would run Mixon to the flat. And so you'd have Michael Carter the second go to the flat to cover Mixon, and then you just get Tyler Boyd in the the, the middle of this void in the zone where it's like he's between Mosley and the free safety. And it's like Man, you're just asking them to to cook you all day, and we didn't adjust the entire time. It, it's yeah. frustrating, man. It's absolutely it's, frustrating. It's frustrating to watch, and and it's been like a pretty consistent thing all season, right? Like, and no adjustments. That's what kills me. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm like, I'm trying so hard not to be down on the staff, right? I think Ulbrich is a guy that we, when he was hired, it was very much like a, oh, okay, that's that's an interesting hire. We'll see how it works out. And we even said it on the preseason predictions, most likely to be fired first was Jeff Holbrook. And, and, and it's, it's for this reason. It's for scheme right. stubbornness while right. also not having elite players that you need to make the scheme work. Right. It's it's just beat, man. That's what I said. I'm like, I'm trying really hard not to be down on the staff, all things considered, and to be down on this team at large. It's week three. There's still th- And the funny thing is like, it's so many little things, Sliz. Like it's, JFM with the stupid penalty, like the absolutely dumb penalty. It's, I mean, quarterback play is not a, is not a, is not a stupid little thing, but it's Joe Flacco trying to force the ball downfield to Elijah Moore down the sideline when he's blanketed and not taking like the underneath the wide open Corey Davis underneath route on a fourth and five when you need it. It's, it's just so many little dumb things like that. And it just drives me insane to see because it's like, it's a blown coverage. We have, again, another blown assignment today. And it's like, these things are so small and we're seeing it. We're seeing it happen in real time. And for some reason, these guys who are sitting in Florham Park for, for 60 hours a week can't figure this out, bro. And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I do not understand. The killer thing on the blown assignments too is like you see these guys all talking before. Like it's not like um, it's the worst. It's bro. not like someone understood it wrong and just executed it wrong. It's like you right. see them all like pointing and talking, and it's like yeah, we're all on the same page. And then it's like right. clearly someone is not on yeah. the same page here, man. Right, right. And that's the thing. It was again today with with sauce sauce crashing the flat, and like, dude, I'm pretty sure the running back in the flat doesn't need to be double covered when yeah. they're in in red zone and it, it's just it's brutal to watch bro. It's yeah just and, so I, bad. and I, I do think this one's on sauce again too mm-hmm. I, I do think it's on joiner partly where he like just straight up didn't even look to that side of the field and it's like right. yeah you're single high it's tough you got to look both ways but it's like man it it's it's between it's been between those two we've they've had a mm-hmm. blown coverage every single game this year that's led to a touchdown every single game that's mm-hmm. unacceptable and and the easy piece just just get joiner out of there man like there's no reason there's at, and we there's said no reason week. to keep him in there you you play him as the veteran because he's not supposed to make these mistakes right he hasn't been a plus tackler he has not been plus in coverage and he clearly can't get it right with the, with the rookie playing beside him like get swap he's the easiest spot to swap out on this entire defense just pull the plug already i don't care if it's will parks i don't care if it's ashton davis even if ashton's blowing stuff at least it's like you know it's his last year and he'll probably have a big hit and and cause a fumble at some point at least and at least ashton too he's got the speed sideline to sideline too right he has the athleticism and that's what we said it last week we said it last week on jeff fuel slizz it's like okay, Ashton's game ceiling interception isn't like the start of a new career for him. I think that's fair to say, but it's better than whatever Joyner's giving you. Like even even Ashton's worst will still probably be on the level of what Joyner is giving you. And nope. it's just, it's been absolutely nothing. Um, it's and, it's and brutal if, to watch. If, if nothing else, right? So it's like we we have, and the, I've been I've been avoiding piling on the solid bandwagon because I think a lot mm-hmm. of it's very overblown, right? But it's like okay, we got we have a CEO type head coach. You have a guy that's that's all about positive messaging, all about accountability, all, all 
you know, all about the rah rah type stuff. It's like, man, we got to hold someone accountable on this defense, <laughs> right? It's like, right. And we're going to get a change that Quincy injury. Quincy uh, Williams did not look good. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's probably going to be out for a while. So you're going to get a change there at least. And, and, um, probably f- for the best in terms of swapping out a, that that's another swappable piece where, Hey, let's see what like a Sherwood has and, and that sort of thing. Right. It's like, man, we can't blow coverage week after week after week and nothing change in terms of personnel. Like, even if you're just benching someone for half a game or like you got, you have to do something, especially with a team this young, you have to hold someone accountable. Right. Hold Joe Douglas accountable. That's what we do. No, but you know, you know, so it's, it's like the funny, the funny thing too, is it's like you, you mentioned Sherwood and Sherwood's a guy like I, I simp for Sherwood. I don't know why, but his he he didn't play too bad last year before he got hurt. And he was a guy that obviously coming out, he was a convert. So he's going to give you the speed that Mosley's not giving you. And he was playing in Mosley's spot last year. And Mosley, before he got hurt, and Mosley was out, uh, if he was playing the will linebacker spot. So it's like, why are we, like, why is Marcel Harris the first off the bench then? I, I just, like, has Sherwood taken a massive step back in practice that he's not playing there? Like the one thing that, that people mentioned in the discord is that it really feels, and, and I wasn't totally in line with this because I feel like if you have a scheme, you want guys who fit your scheme, right? I mean, that only makes sense, but it feels like Sala and Ulbrick and, and LaFleur have their guys. Well, less LaFleur than the other two, but it certainly feels like Sala has like his guys and it's very hard for him to come off his guys. There's no reason. There's no reason. I'm sorry. Marcel Harris should not be first off the bench. He should, he, um, he, period, stop. We'll stop. He shouldn't be. And yet, here we are. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird, right? Cause at first you think it's okay. He wanted dudes that are veterans, that are familiar with the scheme, that can help bring along a lot of the young guys we have, right? And and that made a lot of sense. But then, yeah, when you're seeing the personnel moves in terms of who's getting run, who's not getting run, yeah, it's it's a little weird. <laughs> Joiner again, yeah. Joiner is another one. Like, what's he shown you? What's he shown mm-hmm. you to earn this loyalty? Like, he's shown you nothing. Right. He's shown you nothing. Um. So it's weird to me, man. I, I mean, it's it's totally bizarre to me. I, I that's why I said it's. I'm trying not. I'm trying hard not to be down on the staff and be overreactionary. Unfortunately, it's like the I was raised on radio, so like the New York sports talk radio scene is like in my DNA. It's like embedded in me to be hyper reactionary sometimes, and it's like I'm just not going there yet. But Salah hasn't shown me a lot this year. If we're being honest, he ha- he hasn't shown me a lot this year. Yeah, the defensive scheme is definitely where, like, if you were to point to one thing on our roster that's most disappointing, and and that's the one thing that's like where it seems like we're the most stubborn on, and mm-hmm. it's the one thing that's like directly correlated to Sala, right? right? Where it's like we have this major deficiency, and that is like your specialty, and it's like, man. We need to develop young guys and we need to fix the defense. It, right. it was awful last year and it was easy. And, and I, I, I kind of washed my hands of it too. Cause it's like, okay, our talent was abysmal and it's like, mm-hmm. we still don't have the talent really, but it shouldn't be this bad. The, especially, the honeymoon especially with how much we invested in that D line and, right. and this, especially the edge, edge position. It, it's rough, man. The honeymoon's over for Sala. Like, like you said, we we washed our hands of it last year because it was very much like a throw darts at the board, see what you got out of that draft, play all the young, play all the young players, and like maybe we should have seen it last year when you didn't really see the improvement over the course of the seventeen game season very much. This year, there's no excuse for it, like zero, none, period. So. I don't know. There's still there's still plenty of season left, and like you said on Discord, Liz, like if they go out and they beat Pittsburgh next week, and and Zach looks good, and the offense, all of a sudden we're talking ten wins again, baby. So it's like, let's let's take it one week at a time. But all right, I think we I think we doomed a little bit. Uh, let let's get on to some some pluses here, some positives from Sunday's game because there were 
some to take away. Uh, your first point you have here is that sauce was pretty good once again. Yeah, yeah, and I thought so. I'm gonna remove the blown assignment on the touchdown entirely from the equation. I, I thought he battled really good against a lot of really good wide receivers, right? Um, Higg- Higgins had that one deep shot on him where he was in good in good position. It was just a great throw, great catch, right? So like Sauce didn't get cooked. He was in position to make a play on the ball. Right. That that just happens. Great quarterbacks, great receivers make plays. Mm-hmm. But like, man, he he got in Jamar Chase's head, like, yeah, <laughs> and he he pretty much shut him down most of the game. Like, Sauce looked good. He looked good, and and that's what you want to see. He he had some some little uh, just I'll, I'll call him rookie type plays early in the game where he was still getting his feet wet and and stuff like that's gonna happen. But yeah, Sauce looked awesome, and DJ Reed too, like our cornerback duo. Like of all the things to cry about on the defense, our our right. cornerback duo is not not part of that. Right. I think the thing with Sauce too is like you see a lot of the rookie things, um, not playing the ball that kills me more than anything. <laughs> like watching him face guard guys, and it's funny because that's the that's the exact thing that Salah and his staff hated about Bryce Hall, is that Bryce Hall literally never played the ball and he never played it aggressively. And it's good to see that Sauce is in position. He's always pretty much always in position. He's never out of position. He's always getting his hands up. I want to see him stop face guarding and just and just look for the ball, man. Because the interceptions will come because he's always around. He's always around the always around the receiver. It's not a worry that like that's not been a worry of mine. He's very very sticky in coverage, and I appreciate that of him so far. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm gonna move through a couple here, so. He's dis. I think he was disappointing in the past game today. And, and here we go. I'm, talk, I'm talking Brees Hall and so, oh. so someone in the someone in the chat said like, "Oh man, it was awesome seeing Brees and Brees be productive in the past game." It's like, I think Brees is good in space. I think he still has a lot of work as a receiver and a lot of that work. I think he he's just getting ahead of his shoes a lot. Where mm-hmm. he's he's like, "Oh man, I got it," but I got a guy coming. What what's once I catch it, what am I doing? Right. And he's just thinking a little bit too far ahead. He's got to catch it first, then do that. But he, and he was really, you know, we, we called him out or I, I called him out last week. Like, dude, you, you got to put your foot in the ground and cut up field. Like you need to be more decisive. You need to stop stretching everything out. He, he was decisive today. He ran a lot of North South. We didn't really stretch it out and run a lot of outside zone today, But he he was he hit the hole today, and I appreciated that. And and when he got the ball in his hands on, in the past game, he he made plays. He made guys miss, and yeah, they, they fed that, him a lot more today. That drop in the flat kills me because that's a play like at minimum you get the first down. At maximum, all right, it wasn't a great throw, but at maximum if it was a better throw, it's a potential that he takes that for a touchdown. And like, oh yeah. Those are the kinds of things like you heard Salah say, and and everybody memes on Salah and Hall, and I understand the discourse, especially you and me, you and Isla's, and and how we see running backs and everything. And there's differing opinions here. We all know that, but, um, but those are the types of things where they say we think he's close. Like you can see what they mean. Oh yeah, because like the, that's a lot of runs. He had the one 16 yard run late in the game. He t- just took it right up the middle, and I again. That's this kind of stuff that you want to see from him. And even when the holes weren't really developing for him, when you take take the ball and you get four or five yards out of a, something that's not really there, I mean, you take those, man. You put yourself in, in favorable positions at second and third down. Like, that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad yep. thing at all. So man. I appreciate I appreciate that you went there. I know <laughs> it really hurt you to say. I see it in your face. Yeah. But I appreciate it. Well, and, and I mean, I touched on it kind of in the in the first part there, where I I think I do think the run game's close. It's mm-hmm. hard though because the it's a lot of it's relying on that first block being sealed properly, which you know that's the big criticism with running backs is they are so dependent on the blocking in front of them. But it's like, yeah, when when you get the still shots of like where you see the hole and where our guys are at the second level. It's like AVT is clearing dudes out of the second level, eight, 10 yards deep on all these run plays to the left. It's like, we just got to get through the hole. We got to keep the hole open wide, wide enough, long enough for, for our back to hit it. And 
the backs are starting to hit it now as opposed to trying to look elsewhere. Now we just need to seal it up. But I think yeah, shout, I think shout out Brees there. I think we just got to keep the hole wide enough and deep enough. Might be the episode title this week. <laughs> Might be jet fuel after dark. But uh, yeah, I'll, no. I'll, I'll write that one. Uh, go ahead, Sliz. I know you had a you had a few other things here. You said the offense has good bones. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So this is talking mostly, I think, our skill players, and and it, it talks a little bit to even just what I was saying with Brees. But like, I think we have the players where we can be a productive offense, right? I think in years past where it's like, man, like Sam Darnold never had a chance with his wide receiver core. Right. Um, we don't have guys that can hit home runs. We don't have guys that can make explosive plays. I'll, I'll say the one, and and I know there's a lot of discussion, especially kind of in the Jets X Twitter sphere with a, with a couple of their analysts around Elijah Moore's usage and, mm-hmm. and our – ability or how we're using them to try to stretch the field which i agree with i think our field stretching is maybe the the one area we're lacking with like a true deep threat but we we got guys that can make plays we got guys if you get it in their hands they'll make a dude miss they'll, they'll pick up yardage and, and in general i our play calling is good um i, I touched on like with conklin some of the some of the issues just structurally that we have on the offensive line that I think limits a lot of what, what we're wanting to do, especially when, when it comes to using the tight ends, which, I mean, we went out and signed two mid upper mid tier contract tight ends. Clearly the expectation was to use them. I don't think we've used them in this, in the, the way that we thought we were going to use them because of the offensive line. But I, I think, more than probably any young quarterback we've had in a while. I'm talking Gino. I'm talking Sam. I'm talking, I guess, Christian Hackenberg, if you want to talk Hackenberg. Oh, um, but more than any young, young QB that we've had in a while, I think we have the framework where like Zach should be able to plug in and we should be able to get an evaluation on Zach, right? And, and the mm-hmm. offensive lines are going to be spotty. But that's why we took Zach Wilson. You take Zach Wilson because of his ability to move, to do plays off script, to th- to hit bombs off script, quite frankly, to, to make game-changing plays off script. So um, we need to see that. But, yeah, I, I think the offense is workable. And and even today with Flacco not playing well, with the, the offensive tackles, especially on the left side, playing abysmally, like, we weren't that far out of this game and, and especially early, like we had opportunities. We just didn't capitalize on them. Like we we moved the ball our first two, three drives. We just didn't quite get it there. And on the defensive side, so it's like how many third and eights, third and nines, like, and that was, that was all of the Bengals first drive. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. get off the feet, get off the freaking field, man. And that's why, like, I put such an emphasis on like, you have to get home, but um, just get off the field, man. On the third down, like third and nine, third, third and ten, third and long. Like you can't allow these offenses to convert cons- as consistently as they have. It's- yeah. Well, and especially if we keep letting offensives co- convert on penalties too, which is extra brutal, right? That's a backbreaker. Right. right. But the the one dude that has been answering the call, Quinn and Williams, has been absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. this year. He seems like the he's almost like a one man wrecking crew up there. He was awesome today. He had the, he had the sack. He had several other pressures where he just split, split the guard in the sa- in the center. And he was getting after it, man. And good. He's been good in the run game too. It, you know, there's been a lot of a hey, Quinnen's really underperformed the past few years. I've been on record. I think a lot of that was the injury stuff. And it's like, Hey, if this dude stays healthy, he will show us why he was the number three pick. He's been healthy so far. He's looked awesome so far. So hopefully that continues to roll. And the thing about Quinnen too is he got into that uh, debate with Aaron Whitecotton on the sideline, the Jets defensive line coach. But it's like when Salah explained a post game and it was very much like a Quinnen was challenging our coaches because he wants his four man. He wants the four, four man rush. He doesn't want them to be calling. De- and when you see the dude wrecking the game the way that he was, you totally understand. And oh, yeah. maybe ironically or coincidentally, but after that is when he really started to flash. Cause after that he had, I want to say he had a sack up the middle or at least a pressure up the middle. Yeah. Uh, like maybe on the, on the following drive after that. So it's like the guy's been, the guy's been really, really good this year. Really, really good. And you hope he continues the rest of the season. You know who else has been really good this year? Sliss 
Our guy, Greg Zerline. Greg yes, Galette, Legatron. Another 50-yard field goal today. Um, it was really the, you know, it was, it was the Greg Zerline show today. Was, all their points came courtesy of Greg. But um, what, what's there to be said about this guy, right? I mean, this is why you take him over Pinheiro. And we said that on the preseason episode, on the pre preview episode, we said it all. When you have a guy who has the leg, who gives you the option to kick a 50-yard field goal or a 57-yard field goal, you take that guy. Yeah, and this is where, too, overreacting to one week of kicking woes, especially when it's like one kick and one PAT, like it, it's bad, but it's not the end of the world. It happens. McPherson Fireball. missed a kick today, today, mm. right? McPherson missed that kick at the end of the game. Like, kickers miss kicks. No kicker kicks 100%. If they did, like, not, not even Justin Tucker kicks 100%, right? He misses kicks, too. So, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's – and I put maybe the best it's been in years. Maybe that's premature, and I, I'm giving it the, the the old Jets curse here. But it, <laughs> it does feel good when we have a lot of kicks and you see four or four at the end of the game from a variety of ranges, some at 50 yards, right? So, right. hey, kicker is not the issue for the first time in a while, which Thanks is nice. <laughs> for now, right, until he blows out his groin the next game, and uh, yeah. we're screwed. But. So the last point we have here before we move on to the flight plans is, is I think, you know, you summed it up nicely. It's easy to lose your head over one bad result. Like today we expected one and two ultimately, right? We it's, if, it's always, if, if even that, I mean, Cleveland was no guaranteed win, right. like looking preseason. Right. It's, it's always about like, it's not just about the record. It's how you get there. Right. Too, which is why I think like, one and two doesn't really feel like one and two right now, but it's the reality of the situation. And now to segue this into the flight plan, uh, we look we, we look at week three in Pittsburgh. Their offense hasn't looked good, and it won't matter who's running it because Trubisky stinks. And if it's Kenny Pickett, I don't think he's really bringing that kind of life to the Pittsburgh offense right now. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I- I'm going to choose to believe Mike Tomlin, who at the beginning of the year said Pickett's going to sit all year when asked after the Thursday night game. So yep. I'm not even entertaining that more or right. less. And, and mm-hmm. Trubisky's going to be the start. So I, I'm going to take him at his word. And Trubisky, I assume, will be their starter next week in Pittsburgh. He said, he said definitively no. They're right. not, he's not making a change. So bold. I mean, that's Mike Tomlin, but. You know what? What are you learning? What are you learning this year about Pickett from the bench? You're not learning anything, but you know, yeah, old school football weird thinking too, man. He's like not. It's not like he's like one of the, these super toolsy guys that played in a weird offense, and you need mm-hmm. to like really cook. Like he he's like as quote unquote pro ready as as you would think they'd come. So I, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's weird that he's not out there yet because yeah, like you said, Trubisky has looked very not good. They, they have a decent wide receiver room and he just cannot push it downfield. He, no. Like he just looks lost. And, and, I, and one thing from, from watching that Thursday night football game is that it doesn't really look like the receivers are separating much. Um, I mean, Pickens made that absolutely insane Odell S catch, but I mean, aside from that, like these guys are blanketed all, all game on Thursday night versus the Browns. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make a hot take. Ooh. That Pickens catch, it was impressive, but it was totally unnecessary. Like, it, how many how many back shoulder catches do you see where the guy just opens his hips and catches it up near his ear, and it's like a totally normal catch? It's like, I don't I don't think he had to do like super back bend to catch that. I think he could have just like slowed down and opened his hips up and caught it. But <laughs> that. Hot take. I know I'm I'm ruining the fun. It was all over Twitter and all this Blue's and that. Hates I, fun. I think it was a little. It's certainly nowhere close to the Odell catch. And yes. I know people were were compare. It's it's not even in the same same stratosphere. The Odell catch was so much better. Way harder catch. Right right near the end zone. Like not even close. Oh, now he's gonna thanks Liz. Now he's gonna do that to us this weekend. Like it's <laughs> it's exactly what's gonna happen. So. Um, the one guy you hope is, is throwing touchdown passes this week, I know, is Zach Wilson. And the expectation, we've heard week four. Week four is finally upon us. And Zach might be back this week. And this, I mean, you don't want to say this is when the season starts, Liz, but this is when I think the season starts. I don't think that's too unfair to say. 
Yeah, and you you saw on the the Ian Rappaport tweet prior to the the Jets Bengals game, kind of I think getting ahead of it, getting ahead of any controversy that might come of of whatever Flacco performance happened. Which surprised that there's not going to be any controversy now after that <laughs> that performance. But yeah, that all expectations is he will play next week. He did seven on sevens this past week. He he re- was was doing individual drills the week before. So yeah, I mean he's on the ramp up schedule, and yeah, we quite frankly we need him back because mm-hmm. the team needs a shot in the arm, right? It right. needs a big one, and and Zach can do. We we outlined a whole heck of a lot that Zach can do that Flacco can't, especially moving out of the pocket, um, making some of those off script throws, weird arm angle throws. Um, yeah, this this is where the season starts in terms of our evaluation of the most important position on the team and really our, our future of the team, right? Like if Zach looks terrible this year, like, man, we're, we got to probably press reset again. But you know, yeah. if, if you need them to at least look like baseline. Okay. Right. That's like bare minimum. He, he cannot look abysmal. He can't look like he did in the first half of last year. Does that mean, you know, 220 yards per game, you know, 20 of, 20 of what 20 of 30 220 yards yeah you need two them. touchdowns I mean, like i don't think that's i honestly after seeing what flacco did last week and i know that we're you know there's no reason that zach can't do that like period yeah stop oh yeah yeah i i think you're right and i'm not a huge one on like oh he needs to meet this threshold but right. it's like he the things he needs to clean up he needs to not dirt balls like in general especially on those short passes like He's going to miss throws. Every quarterback misses throws. I think we need to keep that in mind when if he misses an out route to someone, it's not the end of the world. Every quarterback misses out routes. You see it every any game you turn on, a quarterback's going to miss a throw. It doesn't matter if it's Davis Mills. It doesn't matter if it's Justin Herbert or Pat Mahomes. Like Every quarterback's going to miss throws. But he needs to not dirt them. And he, need, he needs to be efficient. He needs to be able to complete balls over the middle of the field. Um Something I kind of alluded to, so Flacco was pepper in the middle of the field. I think Zach's going to open up the offense a lot and really I think help Elijah more, more than anybody and being able to throw the ball outside the numbers where Elijah's been living as our second outside wide receiver and, right. and he's been winning a lot of routes out there too. Um, but Zach last year was not good over the middle. And so, and, and we have added pieces for him to be successful over the middle. You have Garrett Wilson who – has probably the biggest catch radius on the team. He he can catch anything over the middle. Um, and then you added all the tight ends, right? So we need he needs to be efficient and successful over the middle and he needs to not turn it over, right? Or mm-hmm. one one or two turnovers isn't gonna kill you, but like you can't have these multi interception games where it's like where they just look horrendous when right. he throws them up. And the one thing about about living over the middle too, is that he formed a really good rapport with Corey Davis last year, I think, especially early on. And we saw it in preseason too. And the good thing about running three deep wide receivers now is that Corey Davis looks much more comfortable over the middle than he does outside, which I think helps him a lot. So, and that'll help Zach a lot too. And, you know, if the offensive line wasn't such cheeks, then you could run your, you could run your tight ends over the middle too. And then you're alleviating a number of, a number of problems with the offense, but uh, to your points, Liz, he there's areas that he has to improve, like period. He has to improve on certain things, and it starts this weekend. And I think he can. I think he has the ability to. I think he has the tools necessary to do it. But can he do it is the big question. Yeah, and, and this is – I think when you look at our schedule, this is about this state of the Steelers' defense. And I know Steelers' defense has always been good. They still have some solid players, but without TJ Watt and with the ways their the way their corners look, like we have the edge at every single wide receiver cornerback matchup. We need to win on the outside. We need to win in the air. They're going to clog up the middle. They still have a great interior. They still have some good defensive linemen. We're we need to win in the air, not baby Zach out the gate, not just try to run it up the middle and go three and out like kind of typical baby in the Jets QB fashion <laughs> that we've done over the years. We we need to let him play quarterback. Right. And and I hope we do. 
And the other good part about it is you, you see Joe Mixon today, and it, you didn't really hurt the Jets a lot on the ground today. Right. And and Najee Harris is, I think he, I don't think it's unfair to say that he's a better running back all around. I mean, maybe it's a toss up at this point, but you, if they're running specifically through Harris and they're expecting Trubisky to, you know, live five to ten yards on the outside, like. That I again, we said I said this about coming into the Bengals game. Obviously, a better offensive roster, more talent, better skill position players. But this is a matchup that I think the Jets can win. I think Mm -hmm. it's a matchup that they should win. And after that, it gets a little bit tougher with with Miami in Week Five and their their weapons. But take it take it one week at a time, bro. Like this is the game you have to go out there. I think this is a game you can win. This is a game you should win. Yeah, it, I mean, it's and and I don't want to get too hyperbolic here, but this is like as close to like a must win as we'll have in the first half of the season, especially when you start looking. And, and I talked about this, I think, in previous weeks where you're starting to look ahead at the schedule and Jets fans before the, the season started like, oh, there's you know, th- these are games we're going to lose. These are games we're, we're going to win. And mm-hmm. like, dude, Miami looks really good. Like that's gonna be a hard game to win. Buffalo, think they're having a lot of injury issues, but it's like that's always gonna be a tough game. And, and a, some of the the cupcakes that you thought were cupcakes, like man, I don't know that we can beat either the Lions or the Jags. Those teams are playing really, really well right now, and they're certainly playing a lot better than us. So it's like we if we don't get out of this game a team that has some injuries a team that has bad quarterback play a team that has a, an offensive line that we should be able to abuse and know it's zach's first game back so that there's always going to kind of be that excuse there but it's like we we need to not let that be an excuse this is like this is where we as the jets need to break off of what was expected we need to overperform expectation and right. it starts in week four Right. All right. So let's, let's move on to the top gun. We didn't have one listed, but I think after the way we spoke about it before, it's fair to put uh, Quinn and Williams on there, right? He had a, he's been playing well all season. He had this the small injury scare in week two, but he comes back today and he was dominating the interior of the, that Bengals offense, Bengals offensive line. So it's good to see him playing the way that he's playing. You wish he had a little bit more help on the outside on, on the edges, but still he's, he's, he's done his part. As part of that defensive line, yeah, man. He, I mean, we said it earlier. He's what you expected to get at the the number three overall pick. You know, he had a he had a juicy matchup today, and and he, I thought he took advantage. And and really, all three weeks he's been. Last year, he really fell off in the run. His run defense kind of shipped into the new scheme, and and I think a lot of that was just our edges were absolutely abysmal. So he just got got washed out all the time, where he, they right. doubled him up. But he's been solid, 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 solid in the run game. And, yeah, he's penetrating in the past game. And if we had anything else, if we had anyone else on the line winning, we'd be good. And and, right. and him winning that much, like, he's freeing up guys to get one-on-one matchups, whether that's an edge or, or the D tackle beside him. And we, just, we need guys to capitalize, man. Mm-hmm. Period. Again, I've said period like six times this episode, but it's like, I think we're at the point that it's like, I mean it now. I actually mean it. Oh, yeah. All right. So, all right. So, Liz, we got a, we got a couple of geek of the weeks, geeks of the week, or whatever, geek of the weeks here. Um, Why don't you take it away? Because I, I think, uh, I think it'll take you great pleasure in, in announcing both of these. Yeah. So, so self anointed geek of the week. Uh, Joe anointed himself as a geek of the week for believing that the Jets could and would win this game against the Bengals at home instead of uh, in ear verbiage, SOJing it, same old Jets. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to have to pull out the sensor again. I can't, I can't allow that to stand. <laughs> And then uh, I kind of to built off of that and just all the Jets fans on Twitter. And and I said with, with the, the extreme pendulum swings of, and really the, the take that irked me all week was everyone with after, after preseason being like, Oh, what if the, what if the Jets go three, and zero with Flacco, what do we do? And then after week one saying, Oh, Flacco's the worst. We need Mike white. Like when is that getting back? Never want to see Flacco again to week two. 
oh, Flacco's awesome. Flacco's the savior. And then going into this game, it's like, oh, well, Flacco wins. Can you even give the job back to Zach? Like, why would we do that? We want to win football games. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> zoom zoom out more than, like, your two-day, like, goldfish brain and just think <laughs> about what we're tra- – like, If even if Flacco put up the stat line he put up last week every single week, we would not be a playoff team more than we have two of the best teams in the AFC, in my opinion, in our division. This isn't the, the AFC South. This isn't the NFC East of past years where if you get decent quarterback play, we could like sneak a division win like that. That is not happening. We need to get Zach out there. We need to evaluate Zach and see where he is and where really our franchise is. Right. So geek of the week is just that entire situation and every Jets fan that bought and fed into that. Right. And I'm never predicting a game again. So there's that. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm maybe I was riding a little bit high off the Browns win. I mean, I, I didn't go into this game thinking, yeah, it's a slam dunk. No brainer. I, some of it was hopium where I'm like, this is again, this is a game that in so many years, and it turned out to be true again today. How many times have teams come into into MetLife Stadium or Giant Stadium back in the day and say, all right, this is our get right game, right? And that's exactly what it was for the Bengals today. It was their get right game. Everything went to like they held up pre- they held up pretty well against the Jets pressure. They got the they got the air game going. They, you know, it was pretty non-competitive after the first half. It's like yeah, I mean, they held them to only seven points in the second half. The Jets defense did, but again, it was a game that you can't you can't SOJ in, and they did. So, yeah, and until Robert Sala, unless until Robert Sala can prove he's not that guy, he's going to be that guy, or the other way around, whatever. All right, Sliz, uh, no, no, around the league in sixty seconds, roughly sixty seconds today, because I I don't have the mental capacity for it right now, and also we're recording this on Sunday, so. Uh, it is. We'll we'll get back to it next week, but let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. What's on your mind? Yeah, so I got my Steam Deck finally, and and I don't know if everyone's aware of what a Steam Deck is. Think of a a Nintendo Switch, but more of like a handheld computer syncs up with your your Steam library from your computer. Man, it is flipping sweet. It is a it is an awesome piece of technology. It's like it's literally a switch on steroids. It, it is so cool, uh, and I've only just tinkered with it over the weekend, but loving it. Hoping with with the dad life, it'll help me kind of um, balance things a little bit better, and and you know be over by the family, and and still be able to do what I want to do type of thing. And yeah, uh, it it's absolutely awesome. If, That's if, that. Uh, if you can get on the waiting list and grab one, I recommend it. <laughs> That was that uh jet fuel money coming in is what yeah. that is. Oh yeah, you, hitting the bank. Sure, no, it's not the Discord money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so as I mentioned on the podcast last week, it was it was my wife and I's third year anniversary, and we went to a restaurant around the corner called Casa Giuseppe, which is a very very nice Italian restaurant. I can't say enough nice things about the food, the service, everything about it was was sensational. The dessert. They wrote a little happy anniversary on the plates. Uh, limoncello, courtesy of, on the house, on the house. Nice. I don't know if that was because they initially screwed up my dinner order, but again, they made it right. They didn't charge us for dessert. I guess who's was on it. I don't Listen, this place was sensational. Big shout out to Casa Giuseppe. Seemed like the the alcohol pours were pretty good too, from what I hear. From what I hear. I, I can neither confirm nor deny these allegations set forth at this time. Um, and on the opposite, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Rutgers department of transportation services, you can kiss my ass. Okay. I've been teaching at Rutgers for a year now. So just this is my third semester. So not too long, but I do not understand why I cannot buy a freaking parking pass online. I, I don't get it. So last year I couldn't last year in the fall. I couldn't buy a parking pass because there was an issue that since I had been to Rutgers the, the website identified me as a student, not faculty. So they got that change and I parked in the lot all semester. I never bought a parking pass. Then in the spring, I just couldn't buy a parking pass for whatever reason. And again, in the fall, I can't buy a parking pass. I cannot buy a parking pass. And I do not understand why 
Their website sucks. It's terrible. If I get a ticket, I'm burning the whole thing down. I'm burning the whole thing down. So I don't know why, like at colleges, parking passes are such like a difficult thing to sort out, man. I, 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 just, I, I struggle I with it too it. in college. My brother did, and, and we both went to Big Ten schools. It like it's like you're a major university. How can you not have such like a crucial thing sorted? It, and, it's ridiculous. And the, is, and the thing is, they've been working from home for like a year now, so I can't even call them to complain. And then I actually have to like. I have to email them, but I've emailed them at least five times. And they've never emailed me back. So next time, next time I get a ticket, I ain't paying it. I don't care. I'm, I'm fighting someone. Yeah, Pure fist fight. Brutal. Pure fist fight. Just when I, just when my blood pressure was starting to drop, whatever. All right. So Liz, that'll do it for this episode of jet fuel, the jets discord podcast. Obviously you guys already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple podcasts. If you'd be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, we'd greatly appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you on Twitter? Yep, find me at Sliz underscore NYJ. As always, you can send us an email at Jet Fuel Discord Podcast at gmail.com. And Sliz, how can the people uh, join the Discord and, and get in on the doomerisms and, and the doomering? Yeah, yeah, it's discord.gg slash nyjets. Make an account if you don't have one, hop on in. Yeah, like you said, we, weeks like this, it's a lot of uh, collective collective moping, collective <laughs> looking at what went wrong. Um, you know, second half of the week, it'll be a little bit of hopium and, okay, what can we do better? And let's figure it out. So, yeah, yeah, come on, join in and it's almost baseball playoffs, so there will be there will be a lot of that chat going on in other sports too. Oh goodness, baseball! Remember baseball? I barely do. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel. For Matt Salard, I am Joe Rivera, reminding you you can't take flight without jet fuel.